1: I'm gonna butcher this, are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Uh-oh, this is going to be awesome. Maga Kaliki Laka is the word to say. <laughs> you I see don't... Christmas music to me? Yeah, I don't know what the actual words are. Mele but... Kaliki Maka is the
2: thing to say on a warm Hawaiian Christmas day. It's the island greeting that we sing to you in the land where palm trees sway. Hey,
1: Wait, isn't that L.A.? <laughs>
2: Yep, that's as far as we're going to go, because I can sing the
1: whole thing. Yeah, I, I figured, uh, and I brought that up because we're recording remotely this week. Josh is in Hawaii.
2: I am in Hawaii. Uh, yep, but we did not want to miss another week because we have missed a lot recently. So here we are. Yeah. I'm staring at Diamond Head. Out the, out the window. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm told that the Vice President, Joe Biden, is eating dinner next door. There's a million cops outside. <laughs> but the show must go on, Jimmy. I thought it was for you. Yeah. I pulled up to our hotel. We came back from a hike this afternoon, and I'm like, what is going on? Because there's <laughs> like, you know, upwards of 20
1: cop cars. Holy crap. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, let the show must go on indeed. But before the show starts, we should mention that this show is brought to you guys by Card Kingdom, our new sponsor for the show—very exciting! Woohoo! And uh, as part of that sponsorship, we're we're doing a giant, awesome, massive giveaway called the Keys to the Kingdom giveaway. Um, so basically, for two weeks straight, we're giving away two whole boxes of Eternal Masters. Thanks to Card Kingdom, you guys can check out Card Kingdom, and also you can use our affiliate link at cardkingdom.com/commandzone basically lets them know that you're coming from our podcast and it lets them track like oh these are how cool these fans are
2: yeah and the keys the kingdom giveaway has a couple of days left i think there'll be two days left when you're listening to this if you're yep. listening to it on the day that it comes out so definitely go to twitter follow us at command cast and you'll have a chance at the last two days of the giveaway which means you'll have two shots at three packs of eternal masters that's really I exciting also- I also found out a cool thing. Uh, I, I knew it before, but something I sort of realized about Card Kingdom is that one of the cool things about a place like like Card Kingdom is that they don't do this cheesy thing that a lot of places do where, like, you order a card, and then that card goes up in price, and then they do something like say, We're sorry we, oh, ran, yeah. we ran out of that product, and we're not going to ship it, or blah, blah, blah. Uh, that won't happen with Card Kingdom. I recently ordered... Um, Gaea's Cradle, Sarah's Sanctum, and I got them before they spiked. Uh, and Card Kingdom just shipped them out because that's what they do. They didn't do any cheesy stuff like will happen to you on some other vendors. Uh, cheesy online. is a
1: cheesy is a light word to put for that. More like kind of scummy, honestly.
2: Yeah, and and you know, unfortunately, it does happen a lot when you order through other places where you know you you correctly think like, oh boy, I better get this because it's going to go yeah. up in price and I know I want it, and uh, then it does go up in price, and in the interim between when you ordered it and when it should have shipped and arrived, uh, the place just cancels on you. Well, Card Kingdom definitely won't do that. One of the reasons is because they ship it so freaking fast that it's almost like you hit order, and they've already shipped it, so they don't even have a chance to like do that scummy, cheesy thing. But also, they, they're just not the type of place that would do that anyway.
1: Yeah, and I mean the thing is a lot of small independent sellers will do that because they're just not operating on the same level that Card Kingdom is. Like Card Kingdom is able to ship out your cards the same day and get to them to you super fast, whether or not you're international or not. And so they also have to uphold some better business standards. And so I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that they do.
2: Yeah. So definitely check out Card Kingdom. Go to cardkingdom.com dot com slash command zone use the affiliate link and let them know we're the ones that sent you
1: all right cool let's move on to our main topic today we're doing something very exciting we're coming back to the archetype series and we are covering super friends uh so the last time we actually did archetype series was almost over a year ago josh we did voltron and tokens and then took like an 11th month break
2: (laughs) was it a year ago
1: yeah i was looking back so i was like hey when's the last time we did this and i think it was in july or august of last year
2: Holy cow, we've been doing this show for just so long that we can even say that is amazing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so we've talked about Super Friends once before when James Pianca was on the show. He had a Damian Sage of Stone deck that we talked about. But we never did a whole archetype series on it. And I have a Super Friends deck that I really enjoy playing as well. So I thought, hey, why not? Let's cover what a Super Friends deck is. But you first, know, I
2: actually have a Super Friends deck that's been like marinating in my mind for a while that I think I may start putting together. So this ooh. is perfect timing
1: Excellent. Well, before we get into it, um, let's talk about the Planeswalker. A little history. A Super Friends deck, by the way, if you did not know, is a collection of very powerful Planeswalkers in a deck focused around Planeswalkers. So, a little history on the Planeswalker before we get started. Planeswalkers have not been around in Magic for that long. They were introduced in Lorwyn as the Lorwyn Five, and these Planeswalkers were a key part of the Magic story in the lore back then, so... We had a Johnny, Jace, Liliana, Chandra, and Garrick. Sort of like the iconic five, five different colors, five different planeswalkers.
2: Yep. Um, I believe they were based on a idea that Richard Garfield had had where he was trying to build like some buildings or there was like walls or castles or I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but something that had an attribute that you sort of slowly beat down. Mm -hmm. And, And that was sort of adopted to the planeswalker idea and sort of... Adopted. I meant adapted. Adapted. <laughs> it's a house. Um, you can't adopt a house. <laughs> yeah, they're super unique cards um, in that the, obviously they work differently than other cards. Like you can attack them directly. They're the only card that you can do that with.
1: Yeah, and they essentially represent another player on the battlefield. So when someone says, like, oh, that Planeswalker just gained him five life, what they mean is that Planeswalker has five loyalty, and instead of hitting you for five, they aim that damage at the Planeswalker instead. Thus, it's kind of like life gain in a lot of ways. Yes. Because uh, you usually have to kill them. They're very powerful. Uh, so the Super Friends title came after they got a huge upgrade in the next iteration. Um, and this is named... It was a nickname for the Justice League of America. Yep. Uh, but kind of
2: like the Avengers, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Super Friends, Avengers. I like Avengers a little more. But Super Friends is very cute, too. Because Superman, obviously. Right. Um, the next iteration... Got busted. Uh, Elspeth, Knight Errant, a Johnny Vengeant, Gideon Jura, and Jace the Mind Sculptor. They were like, "Hey, these Planeswalkers aren't powerful enough. Let's up the ante."
2: Always, always a tricky thing in game design. And yeah, all of those Planeswalkers you just named are very, very powerful. Um, Band worthy. Yeah, you try and
1: push something. <laughs> sometimes you succeed. Yeah, you. I mean, he turned a house into a, like a freaking castle with a moat around it. Uh, <laughs> with like cannons <laughs> yeah exactly um, after that the planeswalkers kind of had a powered down bit I think Wizards was like okay let's make sure the next iteration of these aren't super busted and they ended up being more utility and synergy based so they're very much like hey build around me instead of like hey I'm a, I'm a planeswalker that can just brainstorm whenever I want Right. Um, so we had like Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas, Garrick Relentless, which is a, the first flip planeswalker, I believe, and then Venser the Sojourner. So all very powerful, but much more specific in how they're powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the Flipwalkers and these we remember from origin, the final core set, and they sort of brought the idea of like igniting your spark as a planeswalker to real life. It's the first time we've had something like this, which is really cool. It's different than Garrick Relentless, which is, uh, kind of like does a werewolf-esque thing. These actually exile themselves and come back as a brand new Planeswalker, like they're Kid Jace. And the
2: the fact that they start as creatures, so they don't start as Planeswalkers, Mm -hmm. is is pretty unique. And obviously, they have a way that they sort of... The spark ignites, and then they flip over. Um, These are super unique, and a lot of them turned out to be very powerful as well.
1: Yeah, very specifically Jace Friends Prodigy, which I remember now doing the set review and being like, hey, Snapcaster Mage, yeah, it'll, it'll be okay, and then jump to like 90 bucks all of a sudden.
2: Yeah, I, you know, at least we weren't alone. Nobody really understood, I think, how powerful Jace was going to be. I still think he's not insane in Commander specifically, but the fact that it only costs two mana, right? So it's a Planeswalker yeah. that costs you two mana. And it's a looter, which is just a good card in general. So many things going for it, obviously. Um, Yeah, that card's awesome.
1: Yeah, and also because Planeswalkers can get attacked directly, having it come down as a creature first and then changing is actually pretty powerful because they can't remove it by just attacking into, you. like, you know, that's like a very Hearthstone-esque mechanic, but you can't do that with a creature-based Planeswalker at first, which is nice. Yeah,
2: that's that's a really good point. And you control when it flips, specifically for Jace. Some of the other ones, not as much. Because you don't have to tap it to activate it to therefore flip it until the moment you want to, which ends up being crazy powerful.
1: Yeah. Um, So after the Flipwalkers, Wizards, you know, they tried to get more specific with it, but they still make these Planeswalkers into super powerful cards. They're kind of like the marquee cards of each set. Having the Planeswalker spoiled always gets a lot of attention, and we just saw Tamiyo, field researcher, get it spoiled. Yep. I got destroyed by it at the pre-release. pre The card is <laughs> yeah, very good. I saw good. that. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I watched it again, and I don't know why, because I was just like...
2: <gasps> why would you
1: put yourself through that? PTSD. Well, I wanted to see if I made any misplays, and I think there was a couple of different lines I could have taken, but based on what <laughs> Kathleen had in her hand, I was not winning either of those games, no matter what. Yeah,
2: I, don't, I didn't see a line where you win. <laughs> um, um yeah. Yeah, Ugin, recent, super powerful. Nahiri, recent, very powerful. Nahiri turned out to be even better than she looked uh, originally, especially from, like, modern and such. You know, Planeswalkers have really become the face of magic. Uh, They've really refined not just the way that the cards work, but also the way that the characters work within the story and how the story revolves around the Planeswalkers. You know, back in the day, we used to have, like, the Weatherlight Saga... And it was a collection of legendary creatures. And we've sort of upgraded now to these Planeswalkers.
1: Yeah, we've taken it to the next level. Uh, and these are sort of, I call them the movie characters, the, the, the protagonists and the antagonists of the story. Yeah. They're going to be around for a while. So if you thought we had too many Jaces, they're, they're going to be more.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, you know, it's a branding thing as well as a game mechanics thing where they really want something that takes up mental real estate in people's minds as far as what Magic is, and the Planeswalkers are the face of Magic.
1: Yeah, and I kind of like that, in all honesty. I mean, I think, I know Richard Garfield had his own issues with the Planeswalker design, um, but, you know, I think as a new player coming into the game, having something like that is really exciting, and I think adds a lot of flavor to Magic and sort of takes it to a next level in a good, fun way.
2: Yeah, they're definitely almost always the exciting, flashy cards to open you know they don't look like other cards they're mythic rarity uh, always now they they don't function in the in the way other cards work so if you're any type of player just it it's that lottery ticket feeling the the planeswalker always feels like you won the lottery
1: yeah all right so we're talking about super friend's deck today on our deck archetypes and uh let's first break it down why super friend decks are good and why they are bad so At the very base of it, they are good because these decks are powerful. Um, The Planeswalkers change the way the game works. They can be used multiple times without needing to pay any mana cost because you can use them once a turn at sorcery speed. And they basically alter the game in a really interesting way because they create a sort of a mini self-extra player on the table that creates a lot of politicking usually um, because it's always the debate, do we need to get rid of this or not?
2: Yeah, I think Planeswalkers are... At at the base level of what they do, they are sort of the best things in Commander, right? In Commander, yeah. the games last longer, and usually you're trying to set up some kind of recurrable engine. Like, think of all the really good Commanders people like. Things like Marin, you know, things like, uh, I don't know, Caridor. Yeah, More Even Chesa. something like... Perforos, which is uh, on a slightly different level. Yeah, March is a good one. Um, but it's just this way to continuously use this one effect, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what Planeswalkers are. They're kind of like, it doesn't cost you anything. You just, you get to keep doing this effect. And, and of course, many of them have more than just one effect that you would want to keep reusing, but it's recurrable value. And so that's in a lot of ways what Commander is about. And so Planeswalkers are... Sort of, they fit right in there with what you're usually trying to do: is just set up this way to just have this merry-go-round keep happening, where every time it happens, you come out a little more ahead, a little more ahead, a little more ahead.
1: Yeah, and that is very powerful. Not to mention, they also have these things that we deem ultimates, which is sort of their um, their kamehameha, uh, if you will, their Super Saiyan level, whatever. <laughs> where you know, if they have eight loyalty, nine loyalty, they get to do something that essentially. Can I mean in a one v one game will almost always try to win you the game in a multiplayer game will give you a much better chance of winning it and they create emblems which you know will say something like your creatures are indestructible or your creatures all game plus two plus two and flying and they those are literally just absurd because there's no way to deal with emblems in the game and in a lot of ways they have the same power level of something like as something like a creator of behemoth or a sort of an instant win condition because once that is out it's almost impossible to stop the person that has it depending on what it is.
2: Yeah, there's currently no way to sort of get rid of an emblem, and like you said, so many of the Ultimates are just game-winning. I mean, look at Tamiyo. Oh. It's just an Omniscience that can't be destroyed in any and way. And you get so, an
1: Ancestral Recall.
2: Yeah, well, that's just crazy that they didn't think the Omniscience was enough, um, but there's even more powerful, I'd say, Ultimates than that, that literally like, pretty much win the game on the spot. Um well, let's go to the abusable section here.
1: Yeah, another reason Superfriend decks are good, they're super abusable. Because of the way Planeswalker loyalty works, you can use it with, du- with Doubling Season and also pro- Proliferate and stuff like Gilder and Baron. Uh, so Doubling Season uh, will double the number of loyalty counters that the Planeswalker comes in on. It's very specific to the wording of Doubling Season, so a lot of superfriends decks, their goal is to get Doubling Season out, play a Planeswalker, and they're able to immediately ultimate it, which is nuts. You-
2: yeah, and because that can happen sort of earlier than similar type effects, it, it makes it very powerful. Because if you think about it, that type of effect is almost like Toothed Nail or, mm-hmm. I don't know, Insurrection or one of these like really big expensive spells that sort of tends to win the game on the spot. But Doubling Season costs five mana, and then most of your Planeswalkers don't cost more than six, so you can do it maybe slightly earlier. And of course, you're Playing doubling season, you're in green, so that's going to be pretty early. Doubling season is an interesting card, and and it's potentially a very problematic card moving forward because any planeswalker that they design that their ultimate costs less than half the amount of loyalty that they come in with, less than or equal to, Mm -hmm. meaning that I can then play it and ultimate it on the same turn if doubling season's out, sort of. It makes it really tough, right, for a commander because that's just way more possible in our format than any other format.
1: Yep, and Tamio notably is green, and yep. is able to do that. So, I yeah, mean, that's she's, a,
2: she comes in with four, right, and negative sevens for the ultimate.
1: Yeah, and it's just automatically saying, "Hey, look, I you you're gonna do this, and you're gonna want to do this with this card because her effect is just that powerful." Yeah, I mean, think of
2: that: you play doubling season, and then you play Tamio and ultimate her. And you can do that at a point where you could never cast Omniscience because Omniscience costs so much more mana. Doubling Season is almost, I'd say it's like if you're building a Super Friends deck, you, it, it just sort of has to be in there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously you can build a different flavor of deck that's like, yeah. I'm not going to use Doubling Season. But in general, that's where these decks really shine. Um Another reason Superfriend decks are good is they're very flexible, they have a lot of value, and they're actually kind of evasive. So Planeswalkers have inherent value. If they survive a turn cycle, you can use it over and over again. We were talking about this earlier. And um, an interesting way to look at the Planeswalker too is does a card get you a card's worth of value? For instance, if you play a card that says just says draw a card, they call it a cantrip you get a card back from it but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a card that is just as good you could draw a land or whatever a planeswalker in general like their plus one or plus two whatever ability or even their minus ability is very powerful and the fact that you can do it multiple times means that you could get multiple cards out of one planeswalker
2: yeah it's just what we were talking about setting up an engine except for engines with other cards normally take a few you know two three four cards um Whereas Planeswalkers are just engines on their own. Yeah. I like what you said about them being evasive. There's this thing about Planeswalkers, which is that they were invented sort of late in Magic's history, right? They didn't, like, for the first, I don't know how many years, like, almost 10 years of Magic, there weren't Planeswalkers. So a lot of cards that should reference Planeswalkers don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is that you can abuse that little loophole in the system where Planeswalkers didn't exist. So, so a card like Navinuril's Disc says, you know, it, okay, Navinuril's Disc costs four mana, it's an artifact, that comes in the battlefield tapped. And then it says, pay one and tap the disc. Destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. That should really say Planeswalkers also. Yeah, it's it's just that,
1: trying to it's just, get rid of everything
2: right it's just that when Nev's disc was designed there wasn't a card called Planeswalkers so there are cards sort of from before the time when Planeswalkers existed that should get rid of Planeswalkers too or affect Planeswalkers but they just don't
1: yeah it's really interesting too a card like uh, Hero's Downfall can get rid of a Planeswalker and, but that was right. printed very recently Um And we've said this before too, like when we're looking at cards for EDH, always look out for cards that say during each upkeep, you know, cards that didn't have the commander multiplayer format in mind either. And they're, you know, obviously this goes for Planeswalkers because they didn't exist when the original cards were printed.
2: Yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, Pretty cool. It's also, yeah, you put here they're evasive in that opponents must deliberately choose to attack them. And they might be forced to sort of, run into something or lose card advantage as a result you know planeswalkers have a really warping component on the table where people will sort of do crazy stuff because they know they have to get rid of that thing
1: mm-hmm. and you can plan your turn and how you're setting it up so that you know that they're going to do that and you're ready for them to do it because you have a response to them attacking it or you know that by them attacking it they're going to leave themselves open in this way or whatever so it's like putting bait out almost if you really want to play your planeswalker as well
2: Yes, I mean, to you, they're still just a card you played. So very often, you can just play it, and they have to kind of do something crazy to get rid of it, and you're like, well, you did all that, but you got rid of one card. Yeah. And now, you know, so.
1: Definitely. Okay, so us talk about some downsides of of uh, Super Friends decks. Uh, the first one, like we just said, they are high-profile targets. So very often, unless you, like, plan on casting a Planeswalker into an empty board, it's not really hard for opponents to be like, hey, you got three flyers, I got two flyers. Okay, well, that Planeswalker is dying, you know. Yep. Um, so it's hard to uh, to sometimes set up the board in a way that you can play your Planeswalkers safely.
2: Also, just because of multiplayer, right? So if it's one-on-one, nobody has a creature out, you play a Planeswalker, you know, you're probably good. You're probably in a really good shape there. In multiplayer, it's totally different because even if nobody has a creature and you play a Planeswalker, and then player two, three, and four all play a creature, that Planeswalker is going to die next turn almost no matter what you play there.
1: yeah. And a lot so, of value is assigned to Planeswalkers based on if they can defend themselves yeah. uh, or protect themselves. Like, a lot of Garricks will put down a beast, a 3-3 beast. And that's nice on 1v1, but when you have multiple players that can attack you from different angles, it's not looking good.
2: Yeah, it also is, like, sort of nothing to kill your Planeswalkers sometimes, where it's, like, it might be a decision where you're, like, do I attack this player, this player, or this player? But now all of a sudden it's, like, well, I'll just kill the Planeswalker. Because that's not actually attacking the person directly. It's just value you know
1: yeah and every time that happens everyone just kind of shrugs their shoulders and goes like well what'd you expect
2: yep <laughs> you don't get any sympathy if you play a planeswalker and somebody kind of just attack and kill it and they do because why wouldn't they do that
1: yeah exactly it's very hard to justify against it um another downside about planeswalkers is that the card itself of the planeswalker and the card like doubling season they're actually pretty expensive in general they're always mythic And they're usually heavily driven by Standard Prices because Planeswalkers find themselves in the Standard pretty often.
2: Yeah, I just think that they're the big flashy cards, the face of magic, so they almost have like a tax on them for just being Planeswalkers regardless of how good the card is. So there are some Planeswalkers that are only mediocre and an enchantment that did the same thing would just be three or four bucks less, but because it's a Planeswalker... And it's sort of the brand of Magic. It just has a little bit extra, you know, dollar amount tacked onto it.
1: Yeah, very true.
2: You um, know, going, back, back, going back to our last point really quickly about the whole high-profile target, mm-hmm. too. I have this theory in multiplayer, which is that, you know, people are, and, and gamers and just people in general, are a little bit habitual. And so you just don't really want somebody to be attacking you for any reason if you can help it Mm -hmm. it's just much easier to attack you the second time yeah and so a planeswalker sort of causes them to come at you and then the next time you might find that they just attack you because why not i already turned my card sideways and pointed at you once
1: yeah it's not like i'm gonna you know make someone else upset here may as well you know hey you played the planeswalker maybe you've got other powerful cards in your deck
2: (laughs) yeah it's like you played a card that sort of no one would blame them for getting rid of and then they're almost pointed at you by default now it's not a hundred percent a lot of times something else happens and there's a new threat at the table it's just that is a pretty big downside of planeswalkers in my estimation and one of the reasons i think why in multiplayer formats like commander they're not you'd think that planeswalkers would just take over our format but they tend not to and i think that's one of the big reasons
1: yeah, they kind of have this, like, black hole effect where everyone's attention is drawn to them, everyone wants to go after them. Now, sometimes a Planeswalker will just sit there and tick up slowly because it's just like, oh, Drew, an extra card or whatever. It's not doing anything super crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times, if you do a Planeswalker that can board wipe, for instance, like Elspeth, Son's Champion, you'll find that people will just point your stuff at you after your Planeswalker's gone because you caused a lot of craziness on the board, you know? Yes, all right, uh, the last oh, reason—oh, oh, yeah, what's up?
2: No, go ahead. This. We're... Sorry, I thought we were moving
1: on. Oh, yeah, I, I kind of intuit—I was like, well, let's move on to the final reason why Planeswalkers— <laughs>
2: Very—I uh... hardly even noticed.
1: Yeah, uh, they kind of do nothing sometimes. So we... I was talking earlier about how some of the Planeswalkers are very synergy-driven and want you to combo off with them not every Planeswalker is going to sit there and give you a creature to block with or draw you a card. Sometimes they're so specific in what they do that they'll just sort of sit there and do nothing in your hand or on the board and you're just kind of being like, oh, why did I even play that out? I'm not, it's just going to tick up and probably going to die? Oh, well, dang, that Planeswalker was kind of useless.
2: Yeah, I agree with this. Um, you also have, they can make turns sort of take longer, especially if you manage to get a couple Planeswalkers out. Oh, gosh, because yeah. There's just a lot of choices to be made, you know, it's not like playing a regular card that does one thing, that's like, all of them do three, sometimes four things, you have to choose which of those things you want to do, now you've got more than one of them, you got to choose which order to do it, which thing they want to do, that can increase the length of the game.
1: Yeah, and it's always sorcery speed, so you can't just be like, pass turn, I'll figure it out later.
2: Yeah. We've also talked about how, and I believe this is true of all Planeswalkers, they tend to make games go longer because they are inherently life game cards mm-hmm. and then of course there was the commander 14 product where the planeswalkers could be played as commanders yeah which that was my big gripe with those and i, I don't it's this is not disparaging of WOTC or anything because it's kind of a hard thing to see coming it's just in practice what ended up happening is those games end up you know being a lot longer when there was more than one Planeswalker and they could be your commander because now all of a sudden you can replay that Planeswalker over and over again. A Planeswalker can't attack for commander damage, so that quick way to win is kind of out the window. And then (laughs) also people tend to attack the Planeswalker rather than you, so people just tend to live longer. Um, That is a, a, a... I'd say it's a real downside of Planeswalkers in general is that they just have a strong tendency to make the games go longer.
1: Yeah, especially when it's like, well, I'm just going to swing all my guys at it because I want it to die instead of like, okay, five of these guys are going at you and three at the Planeswalker or whatever. I mean, you very often have to overcommit just to make sure you get it, right? Because
2: you're just thinking like, okay, if I attack with all these guys and they have one removal spell and all of a sudden I don't kill the Planeswalker if you know if I pointed two at your face instead of two more at the Planeswalker. It so, feels like you just is- wasted a turn yeah so a lot of times it's just like, whatever, I'm just gonna tack everything at it just to make sure that it goes down because it you know it's just not worth the risk yeah so and so again, what'd that do? Well, it just saved a massive amount of life for that player and made the game go a little longer again, these are not necessarily like horrible, oh my gosh, games go long sometimes. we're just saying as a point in sort of the slightly negative category,
1: yep. All right, so uh, now that we've talked about the good and bad sides of Superfriends deck, let's talk about choosing a commander to fit with uh, your Planeswalker deck. Since Planeswalkers span every color, there are all sorts of color combinations. You have a lot of options here as to who you'd like to choose as your commander. Um, I always find that it's the best if this slot is utility-based because it's hard to synergize a deck in the same way that you build a normal commander deck um around the card when all your planeswalkers do such different things it's going to be hard to find the one creature or whatever that is legendary and can benefit all of them at the same time i just don't think it really exists um so obviously five colors is i think the most common choice for a lot of people that make uh, planeswalker decks so they can play every planeswalker um you've got sliver queen which is a very powerful card who uh, she just sort of makes slivers for two mana each time, and they're chump blockers for your Planeswalker. It allows you to play five color. Uh, you've also got Josh's favorite, Chromat. Yep. Um, there's Reaper King, there's Child of Alara, Chromat, Progenitus. So these are all good options. Um, really find the one that you like the most. I, I play a Child of Alara deck. Even though it does destroy my Planeswalkers, it's still great to just have a reset button on a stick if you have a sack outlet. So I, I still like that card cu- quite a bit for a, a general
2: yeah, I tend to like Chromat because Chromat is very unassuming, and so no one's scared of that card. And so I like to start out in that position, because Child of Valara is polarizing in that they know you always have this ability to deploy this massive board wipe.
1: Pretty
2: I mean, powerful. Yeah, and, which actually makes it good, so I'm not saying you shouldn't play. I have two Child of Alara decks also. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very different decks. Yeah uh narset enlightened master is also a a strong candidate because planeswalkers count for her whenever she swings and you can just play out usually some crazy big stuff Uh, i think you have to build your deck a little more around narset in general if you want to play that deck but that's one of the more definitely like okay this commander fits well um but you don't have access to stuff like doubling season so you do lose a little bit there yeah i think
2: that's a big one no green no doubling season makes the ramp harder um but You don't need ramp maybe as much because you're casting stuff for free, so there's that.
1: Yeah. So why not Maelstrom Wanderer then? That has a little green in it. Uh, This card cascades twice at 8 mana, so you're almost guaranteed to get something pretty big. Um, Maelstrom Wanderer I think is a really fun choice because you also get access to green. Um, It by itself is just this giant beater. You could potentially cheat out two Planeswalkers every time you play this guy. That's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah. I'd say Maelstrom Wanderer are one of the most powerful commanders that exists. It's just crazy amount of value because you can get like what is that twenty-two mana worth of stuff for eight mana, mm-hmm. which is what what we always say. Breaking uh, the game usually consists of cheating of mana costs. You know the only downside of Maelstrom, if there was one, which probably, <laughs> which, re- which really there isn't, is just that it costs a lot of mana to deploy.
1: Yeah, and I found that Planeswalker decks want to ramp in general. So yeah, yeah. Um, The last choice I put in here was Brago, King Eternal. I think this card is incredibly good in Planeswalker decks because he is able to flicker your Planeswalkers whenever he deals combat damage. That way they come back onto the battlefield with their loyalty back at their starting point or if you have a doubling season, back at that double part. So you can actually, if if a Planeswalker is not going to die when you double the loyalty points and ultimate it, you can actually do it twice in one turn, which is just out of control if you have someone like Brago on the board.
2: Yeah, Brago's a really good choice. The only thing that keeps Brago in check is the fact that uh, he's two color. Yep. So it sort of limits the amount of um, of planeswalkers you could use with him. But you're right, the ability to flicker the planeswalker, and those are technically new cards, which means you can use them again, and they come in with you know their starting loyalty. It's pretty um, powerful. Yeah, you obviously can't have it with doubling season out because it won't be in your colors, but... Yeah, that's true. I guess you could steal enchantment on somebody else's doubling season.
1: Ooh, that's a deep meta play. I like how you think, Josh.
2: If anybody's ever done that, I want to hear about it because that sounds awesome.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's talk about cards in the 99 that every Super Friends deck wants. Well, this one's obvious. Planeswalkers. (laughs) If you don't have Planeswalkers, you don't have a Super Friends deck. And specifically, if you don't have a lot of a critical mass of planeswalkers, if your deck isn't built around planeswalkers, I don't think it counts as a Super Friends deck either. Um, this is very actually tough to say what you should put in your deck because this is what I think sets the build apart. Every single person that makes a Super Friends deck, it's almost like a Freudian test of who you are because you're finding the planeswalkers that you resonate the most with or the ones that you want to play the most. And it's always going to be different. Um, but there are some auto includes. I think Venser the Sojourner, if you're in those colors, is one of those because he's very similar to Brago in that he can flicker a permanent like a Planeswalker. It comes back on the battlefield, and you reset that Planeswalker.
2: Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, you know what I really like? And there's a couple of these mm-hmm. recently. They they played around this as idea of Planeswalkers that sort of affect your other Planeswalkers. Yeah. So Teferi Temporal art. Archmage, who was one of the Commander 14 Planeswalkers that you can play as your commander, is very good just in the 99 of a Super Friends deck because Teferi's ultimate, which is negative 10, but Teferi comes in with five loyalty, so you could potentially do this with a doubling season, the turn uh, Teferi comes into play, is you get an emblem with you may activate loyalty abilities of Planeswalkers you control any on any player's turn, anytime you could cast an instant
1: Oof. So you could do it like three to four times as the rotation goes around.
2: Yeah, it's insanity. It makes your Planeswalkers like machine guns, right? Because they can just activate, 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 Um Teferi's almost like a Planeswalker Lord in that way, mm-hmm. in the way that it affects. And so there's been a few cards, um, not very many, but I think there's an Ajani that, that like... Yep. Puts one loyalty on all your planeswalkers and that kind of stuff. Uh, I would definitely include cards like that in the, in the potential Super Friends pile because, you know, if you're making a Goblin deck, well, what are some of the categories you got to fill out? Yeah, you got to have a lot of Goblins, but you also got to have a lot of stuff that pumps your Goblins. So, Goblin King has to be in there, you know, that kind of stuff. So, Teferi and, and that Ajani sort of work in that manner.
1: Not to mention, Teferi's minus also untaps four target permanence, so you could just ramp like crazy with him, too. So, overall, he's an incredibly strong um, Planeswalker.
2: Correct.
1: Uh, There's also Ugin, the Spirit Dragon. Ugin's colorless, so you can really put him in any deck you want. He costs eight mana, but his abilities are all incredible. He has a board wipe on a stick. He is able to lightning bolt something, and his ultimate essentially lets you just play out seven cards from your hand, um, which is pretty impressive. It's similar to the Omniscience ability of Tamiyo. So, Ugin, I think, is definitely one of those cards that you can just happily include in the Planeswalker deck and you'll find it very hard to cut.
2: Yeah, that card is insanity.
1: All right, let's let's talk about some protection. Sure. Uh, This is the big one that I think really makes Planeswalkers decks work is that if you can't stop creatures from hitting your Planeswalker, you're going to have a bad time because they're going to die all the time. (laughs) <laughs> so this is kind of like the Pillow 40s space here. You have to have some kind of protection for your Planeswalker. So we've talked about these cards a billion times now. Collective Restraint, Ghostly Prison, Crawl Space, these all limit what your opponents can do. Uh, a silent Arbiter, right? They limit how your opponent can attack you if they want to even, because they have to spend a lot of mana or they just literally can't with all their creatures. And they're very powerful to just stop people from coming at you, or it really punishes them from doing it because then they can't play anything else of that turn.
2: Right, you have to be careful with the wording. Again, Ghostly Prison, I think Propaganda, they actually only stop creatures from attacking you. They don't stop creatures from attacking a Planeswalker you control. Those things are different, so you have to watch out on the wording on the card. There are cards that say creatures can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control. You want those you don't really necessarily want the cards that say they can't attack you because then they can still attack your Planeswalkers.
1: Right, good point. And those cards are Norn's Annex and Sphere of Safety. They specifically say can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control.
2: Right. So just things to watch because I've definitely made that mistake where I'm like, no, you can't attack me. And they're like, no, I'm attacking a Planeswalker. And you're like, crap. That's not me. <laughs> Dope. Um, I like that you put some, uh, like, Silent Arbiter and Crawlspace are both, like, attack limiters right
1: yeah they'll slow down combat significantly or at least make it so that you can definitely block
2: which really changes things because planeswalkers you know often they're going to have to attack with a few things to get past your blockers or whatever and all of a sudden making it so they can only attack with one creature means they can't even get in there
1: yeah which is pretty good protection also comes in the form of control because we're focused on playing planeswalkers that means uh one of the best things about Super Friends decks is that you can board wipe to your heart's content because you just don't have that many creatures on the board and your Planeswalkers are usually not affected by it. So you can play cards like Black Sun Zenith, which is just a house of a board wipe. It gets, right around, it gets around Indestructible and a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you're not killing every creature, you're severely gimping a lot of them as well. But your Planeswalkers just sort of sit there and chug along happily.
2: Yeah, all the cards that say like something, something, all creatures are going to be good because your main threats are not creatures. And, yeah, some of them make creatures, but they make them every turn usually. So you don't really care that much if you're like, Wrath of God, destroy all creatures that can't be regenerated because I'm just going to make more next turn.
1: Yes, very nice. Um, Yeah, Toxic
2: Deluge is really, really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a card. It's sort of a pet card of mine uh, that I really like in a Super Friends-type deck. It's called Spreading Plague. Mm Mm-hmm. It's four and a black for an enchantment. It says whenever a creature comes into play, destroy all other creatures that share a color with it. They can't be regenerated. Ugh. So what happens? Yeah, what happens is you know, decks that are playing creatures are usually playing a number of creatures that share colors, and so, but you again, you're playing planeswalkers, so you play a couple planeswalkers you plus them, minus them, whatever, and then somebody plays a creature and it destroys all of the creatures that share a color with it. So if they play a white creature, it's going to be the only white creature on the battlefield after that's done. And then the next player plays you know, a red creature and then all the red creatures are destroyed except the one that just came into play. And it also turns your five-color commanders into just board wipes whenever you play them.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. That's super powerful. And, and then the, it's on the players, right? They were like, well, don't play that. You're going to kill my stuff. It's like, well, I have to. I was like, no. And you're sort of turning them on each other because of spreading plague.
2: Yeah, that card, I think, is very, very good. In, a, in in any deck that doesn't care about playing a lot of creatures, which Super Friends is that type of deck.
1: Yeah, you also have the ability to do stuff like Decree of Annihilation, which is kind of a rough card. It blows up lands. But at, at a certain point, you know, your Planeswalkers, they're engines that don't require mana. And if you're able to do something really nasty like the Cree of Annihilation, you're going to be in a great position because everyone else is going to really have nothing and you'll have these Planeswalkers that can keep generating you value and creating creatures and all that stuff before our player can really take advantage, or not take advantage, can, before a player can really deal with them after having everything destroyed.
2: Yeah, and, and this type of card is one of those cards we talked about earlier, right, where really it should say Planeswalkers on it. Yep. It's just that it sort of predates them. I think it's from Scourge, so it's If it was if this came out for the first time tomorrow, it would say Planeswalkers, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't. So yeah, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we'll catch a little flack for suggesting this card. But if you (laughs) have three Planeswalkers in play and you decree of annihilation, you're going to
1: win. Yep, unless you're. I mean, like like a lot of times, like oh, I hope I draw Planes and Path to Exile. It's like ah, that's not going to do you anything. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's any card that
2: will get people out of that quickly. You know, if you have three Planeswalkers, there's no like play a card. I mean.
1: yeah, I can't think of one. Maybe there is. You could do there, some. You could bounce the planeswalkers, right? If but you, you're but three blue. of them. Yeah, exactly. Three runner, runner, runner. Yeah, uh, I just don't see it. Like you're, you're. If you get that off,
2: you're probably gonna win.
1: Yeah. Uh, another important part in the 99 is recursion. Uh, so it's along the same lines of protection, is that being able to bring back a Planeswalker to reignite their spark or returning a key enchantment such as Doubling Season, which loves to get destroyed, can make a huge difference because the power level here is just so high. You know, you'll play a card like Regrowth or All Suns Dawn because getting these cards back and playing them again is so much better than getting back like a, you know, a brainstorm or something cuz there's just so much more potential, especially if you're using a card like uh, replenish to get all your enchantments back or creeping renaissance is one of my favorite cards to just get all yeah. your card types of a specific kind back so like that, that hits planeswalkers and enchantments depending on what you want.
2: Yeah, and I like the idea of like doubling season is so good in your deck that you want some ways to get it back specifically and using things that are broad enough that they can also get Planeswalkers in that instance where you don't need to get Doubling Season. You know, that versatility something we always talk about uh, as a great way to build your deck so that it can sort of function in a variety of different circumstances rather than putting something in there that only will go get Doubling Season or will only go get your Planeswalkers.
1: Pretty good. Uh, Let's talk about abusing Planeswalkers. This is where the decks really shine. The ability to abuse the powers in interesting ways. I think it's interesting. Really, it's just Doubling Season. Um, <laughs> but there are lots of different ways of doing it, actually. We've talked about a lot of them already. Obviously, Doubling Season. It's one of the key cards for this kind of deck. Uh, proliferate is one that we haven't mentioned that much, but you can play cards like Contagion Engine. Uh, that's a repeatable mana sync to Proliferate. Um, it also can house a lot of creatures, too. Contagion Engine, I think, is just a very powerful card that isn't played enough. It's finally a place to play inexorable tide too, if you really want to go deep.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Contagion Engine because it's repeatable. Yeah, repeatable is nice, and yeah. that's sort of like what you want. Uh, not in a deck that inexorable like this. tide's not repeatable. It's just no listen, that card's probably good in a super friend's deck. Um, but you don't you have to play a few cards after it, right? Rather than Contagion Engine where you can play those cards before it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tezzeret's Gambit, too, is just a draw cards and Proliferate at the same time. So it's like kind of the best draw spell you can put in a deck like this. Great card advantage and your, and your guys tick up. Uh, we talked about Venser, the Sojourner, and Brago, King Eternal. These guys both flicker your permanents, uh, specifically the Planeswalkers in this case, to reset their loyalty. We also haven't talked about the Chain Veil yet. This is a card I'm actually kind of iffy on.
0: The chain, really?
1: Yeah, because every time I played this in my Planeswalker deck, I, it just costs too much to do what I want it to. Like, I want it to have more of an impact. So it's 4-mana for a legendary artifact. At the beginning of your end step, if you didn't act a loyalty ability of a Planeswalker this turn, you lose 2 life. You can pretty much ignore that text. Now, for 4-mana and tapping it, for each Planeswalker you control, you may activate one of its loyalty abilities once this turn, as though none of its loyalty abilities have been activated this turn. That seems really powerful on the surface, but it's a little bit win more because to really abuse this, you're going to need to have at least two to three Planeswalkers out. Um, Otherwise, you know, it's like, sure, getting another activation is nice, but you're not really winning the game because of it. You're just kind of making a bigger target for yourself.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because you read it and you're like, well, that has to go in a Super Friends deck. But then when you explain it that way, it does make sense. It costs you four mana to activate it. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, you could play another Planeswalker. It's very going to be very rare that you can play a Planeswalker and activate this in the same turn. Yeah. It's actually eight mana when you think about it because it costs four to play it, then four for the first activation. I can mm-hmm. see how this is overrated. You know, It's one of those cards that just looks like, man, I got to put that in. And then, yeah, I can see where you're coming from on that, actually.
1: Yeah, I think Rings of Hearth is a better alternative if you're going to want to be using your abilities twice. Um, this card is a little more expensive uh, because it's very powerful, but it only costs three to drop, and then it says whenever you activate an ability, if it isn't a mana ability, you may pay two uh, generic mana. If you do copy that ability, you may choose new targets for the copy. And these abilities, it counts as an ability on the Planeswalker as activating an ability, so you can get double that. You won't be able to chain Veil and do a different thing on the Planeswalker, which is maybe why it's good. You can plus it and then minus it so it doesn't die or whatever. But in this case, it's much more flexible. You can choose when you want to use it. And you do have to pay mana each time, but it's at a much lower rate.
2: Yeah, Rings of Bright is awesome. Um, it is a little bit spendy, but it's very good with Planeswalkers. And you're right. It's sort of a better chain Veil in some respects. Obviously not as good when you have multiple Planeswalkers. But if you've got three Planeswalkers out... And nobody's killing them, then you're just winning, right? Because, like, yeah. if they could, if they could be attacking them, they would be. So, if you're <laughs> in a situation where you've got three planeswalkers and they can't be attacking you, then how are you losing that game? Uh, it's not because you're not activating your planeswalkers enough, probably. You yep. know, there's the um, the Oath series, which was just completed with Oath of Liliana, is another good way to abuse planeswalkers. So I don't think all of them are playable, but definitely Oath of Gideon. Um,
1: oath of Gideon's oath of, great, yeah. and oath
2: of Nyssa seem mm-hmm. like auto includes. Nyssa makes it so you can play planeswalkers. Um, you can spend manas though, or a mana of any color to cast your planeswalkers. It also has like a little like, um, what's the word? Card selection text at the top, but that doesn't matter that much. And then Gideon makes your planeswalker enter the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it,
1: so it's kind of like hardened scales for planeswalkers. Yeah, I think Oath of Gideon is incredible because a lot of Planeswalkers, you look at their minus and it's either going to kill them or it's going to put them at a really low number and Gideon just sort of relieves that burden or just gets you closer to ultimate one turn faster without having to rely on doubling season.
2: And if you happen to have doubling season, Oath of Gideon will make almost all the Planeswalkers. There's a few Planeswalkers that can't ultimate even with doubling season. Mm -hmm. And I think Oath of Gideon pushes all of those into the realm of uh, ultimating. I might be wrong. There might be a couple outliers, but in general... It'll, it'll sort of open that window even wider as far as, like, Planeswalkers you can play and then ultimate immediately if, if doubling season's out. Yeah, um, it's,
1: it's super powerful. All the rest,
2: Chandra, Jace, and Liliana, the Oath of series, uh, maybe, maybe not. They, they don't seem crazy to me. Yeah, um, I
1: agree. Yeah. De- definitely, Gideon and Niss are, are definitely the most powerful, I think.
2: And then, of course, there's the brand-new
1: card, Deploy the Gatewatch oh yeah and call the gate watch so now we have a a tutor specifically for planeswalkers and yes and a a way to cheat up to two of them out it's pretty nuts it's the collective company of planeswalkers
2: yeah you can do things like on turn five or six get karn and ugin out oh my gosh you know you could just cheat mana cost in a really crazy way so
1: pretty good um so the thing with planeswalkers deck is that they are so individual and they're so specific to the player the choice in planeswalker really determines how the deck functions so i'm instead of saying hey this is what every planeswalker deck needs because they're so varied and there's so many choices uh, here are just some ideas of routes you could take with planeswalkers um, this one is kind of kind of silly but it's just all the turns you play cards like temporal mastery time stretch the new Emmer cool, so that you get an extra turn so you can activate your Planeswalkers one more time uh, and sometimes get them to ultimate status in that very specific turn. When everyone's like, oh, we have to kill him. Oh, he's not at ultimate status yet. You play, like, a Temporal Mastery. Oh, boy, you're going to go off, and no one could have stopped it because they didn't see you just playing an extra turn card. Yeah, and, you know,
2: Planeswalkers are often, like, evaluated on, like, how many turns until they get to the ultimate. Mm-hmm. And so a time stretch, a extra turn effect can screw up the math so everybody thought they had two turns until they had to worry about it, and now you're like, nope, you got to worry about it now, and they're not ready.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Another way you can obviously go is just Ultimate City. Just really rely on getting doubling season out. So you'll play Idyllic Tutor, you'll play Academy Rector, You'll basically build your deck around finding consistency and getting Doubling Season out, and then just going nuts with your Planeswalkers that have powerful abilities on the ultimate.
2: Yeah, and, and you don't have to... You know, you can just put this in the deck and still do all the turns, too. That's the funny thing. Yeah. Uh, because you don't have to have 50 cards that go find Doubling Season. You just need, like, you know, 8, 9. And a lot of them are Demonic Tutor. They can go find other stuff if you happen to have doubling season already so
1: Mm -hmm. totally uh you can definitely play control with these super friends decks as well it's not gonna make you many friends because you're already playing a super friends deck and the power level is pretty high but you know you're waiting till like turn six five six to play these expensive powerful planeswalkers feel free to just load your deck up with board wipes with Mass land destruction with Nevermire's disc, with humility, with counterspell. Like there's a lot of ways that you can really abuse the fact that you don't have creatures and everyone else does. Yeah. So go to town, kids.
2: Yeah, it does naturally lend itself towards more controlling strategy because of that. I agree.
1: Um, and then the last thing I put down was just Vorthos. You, you you know why not why not build the planeswalkers from the story you read that you really liked? It was Jace vs. Vraska, right? Or Garrick versus Liliana, and it's the Jace Liliana love story. I don't know. Do whatever you want, but you can totally build around the Vorthos and the story of the game with your Planeswalkers because they are characters that speak stuff. You know? like you can't really do it around goblins because they there are not that many famous legendary goblin creatures with full-fledged stories behind them.
2: I like it. I mean, I'm not a big vorthos guy, but and you can make, like you said, they're the movie characters, so you can tell your own movie story. You can say, like, Jace represents this archetype. Uh, you know, in storytelling and, mm-hmm. you know, in Mass of a Thousand Faces type, or sorry, Hero with a Thousand Faces type thing, and uh, you, can, you can tell your story that way, which is
1: a cool idea. Yeah, definitely super cool. Um, playing Super Friends. We've talked a little bit about this already. I think playing Super Friends is all about timing, knowing when to play your Planeswalker, when their threat level is just right so that people ignore it, knowing when to hold back, especially when playing doubling season i've seen a lot of people be like my planeswalker deck here's doubling season on turn five. Oh, it got it got killed like of yeah. course it got killed i mean you almost want to wait until you can play doubling season and a planeswalker in the same turn or find a way to you know cheat it in really quickly
2: or you know make sure that the player that has counter spells is tapped out mm-hmm. um that's another good time to play it but anybody who knows anything is going to, their radar is going to be going off when when doubling season even gets mentioned at the table with the Super Friends deck.
1: Yeah, and it's actually not hard to hide that you're a Super Friends deck as well if you just don't play out the cards and you're just playing, you know, stuff that stops the aggro at you. Um, so that's always very powerful, too, is you can sort of hold back a little bit, hide some information, and then get going when the time is opportune.
2: Yep, makes sense.
1: Um, also, Planeswalkers can help allies out. Uh, You guys can use your Planeswalkers to do something for someone else um, and make their creature slightly bigger or draw them a card, do a number of things. Um, So making allies, I think, is also important for a Super Friends decks, and convincing people that what you're doing isn't broken when really really it probably is. (laughs) That's my favorite trick, right?
2: No, no, it's nothing. It's no big deal. Look what he's doing. And then, rah, I win.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about how to beat this archetype. Uh, For one, you could just kill all the Planeswalkers. So Flyers, Evasion, ways to get around uh, blockers, typical blockers, um, cards with Shadow, you know, that sort of thing, Horsemanship.
2: Yeah. Um, oh, that's a really good one, Shadow and Horsemanship. I hadn't thought of that. I think also, like, Planeswalkers are pretty mana-intensive, generally. Listen, there are some good ones that cost 3 and 4 mana, but a lot of the really good Commander ones are more like 5, 6 mana. Mm-hmm. So there are sort of ways to almost temple them out which is not something we do in commander but counter magic's really good against planeswalkers because you know they pay six mana for our elspeth son's champion and you pay two mana to counter it and it's just like they're so they're in so much trouble there
1: yeah whoopsies yeah. um you can also just go wide against a planeswalker deck provided they're not playing a card like crawlspace or silent arbiter um just overwhelming them before they're able to get their sort of their engines going and doing all their crazy stuff is pretty powerful um one time I used the ultimate, I forget which Planeswalker it is, but it reduces all damage dealt to you by opponent's sources to one. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I win. There's no way anyone can kill me. And then someone was like, I'm playing a token deck. I'm, I will kill you. Yeah. You know, I, you don't have any blockers. I'm going to hit you for 10 each turn regardless. So I was like, oh, that's that's a bummer.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, the Planeswalker Super Friends
2: deck can get into this position where, like, okay, there's a lot of creatures on the board, so I can't play my Planeswalkers because there's, no way I can stop all that damage coming. You know, they just get to kill it for free. Mm-hmm. So I play a Board Wipe, but then by the, which costs all my mana for the turn, so I can't play a Planeswalker. So then by the time it comes back to me, there's a lot of creatures on the board again because people are able to play out their stuff again, and so I still can't play my Planeswalker. So, you know, how many times can I Board Wipe before they can't refill the board? And a lot of decks are really good at refilling the board every turn because they're using, you know, recurrable token makers or creature makers or they just draw a lot of cards and they can just cast them Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so it's kind of in some weird ways it can be hard to come from behind as a planeswalker deck i'm not saying it's impossible i'm just saying they have inherent flaws as far as being able to get attacked that make it funny there are situations where you're like man i have cards in my hand but they're just
1: gonna die (laughs) never a good feeling when you're looking at the card being like nothing is going to survive the turn i play this yeah sad at the
2: very least, if you play a creature, most of the time, you can choose whether it dies, right? You don't have to block with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and of course, they can Swords to Plowshare it, or they can Board Wipe in some way, but that doesn't happen every turn. And But with a Planeswalker, a lot of times, you don't have control over it because they can just attack it,
1: mm-hmm. and you
2: can't choose to not block with it.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, another way to combat Superfriends decks is making sure that your deck has some protection against them. So like a hero's downfall or a board wipe, like merciless eviction uh, will basically really help make sure that should you fight this kind of deck very often, you have ways to deal with their planeswalkers in an efficient way that is not combat.
2: Yeah. That's another reason why cards like cyclonic rift are so good because they do hit planeswalkers, you know, cards that just incidentally hit planeswalkers, you know, are just really good because they don't have that Nev's disc Discording where they, you know, specifically don't hit Planeswalkers.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, cards you might not think of. Uh, cards like Leyline of Anticipation or Vidalcan Orrery. Uh, you want to be able to sneak Doubling Season out if you're playing that deck and waiting until it's the end step of someone else's turn before playing it or playing your Planeswalker on their N7, then playing Doubling Season is often how you're going to get it out and be able to abuse it for at least one turn. Uh, sorry, you have to play Doubling Season first before you play the Planeswalker. But like getting one ultimate off on the Planeswalker could be the game for you, right? So being able to sneak in that card with Vidal Ori before anyone can really sort of understand you know, or, or do anything about your enchantment at instant speed or whatever, or counterspell, is very powerful.
2: Yeah, I like this. And definitely something that you normally wouldn't think of but a Vidalcanorrhury is almost as bad as a doubling season for the Super Friends deck to get out. <laughs> because now all of a sudden, if they do have doubling season, it's, it's basically like they can cast it the same turn as a Planeswalker. And so you just have to be so vigilant. And it's, you're just not going to have any warning.
1: Yep. Uh, another card that I play in my Planeswalker deck is Mimic Vat. Mimic Vat is a card that any time a creature dies and goes to the graveyard, you can actually exile it under Mimic Vat, and then you can pay three mana and tap the Mimic Vat and essentially put a token on the battlefield that's a copy of the card that's exiled with Mimic Vat, and it gains haste, and then you exile it at the beginning of the next end step. So you get a repeatable creature source for three mana on an artifact, and anytime another creature dies that you want to take that one, you can swap out the card under a Mimic Vat with, with that card that went to the graveyard, and that now Mimic Vat is going to be able to om-nom-nom on that card and create tokens of it. So you can do some crazy Enter the Battlefield cards like Terastodon or whatever, or you can just get like a really solid blocker that no one's going to want to attack into because they know that you can create it at instant speed.
2: So, yeah,
1: pretty good I like card. this.
2: You know, the next one you have I like a lot is um, Bitter Blossom. So this is and you put slash other consistent token generation effects. This is really this is a really smart one and a really good one. Bitter Blossom makes a one one flying fairy every turn at the cost of one life. Um every upkeep I guess. And it just gives you free blockers, which doesn't you know, you wouldn't think of Bitter Blossom because you're not planning to like attack them or pump your flyers in some way generally. Yeah. But what happens is, like I said, it, it, it keeps you out of those situations where you're like, well, I just can't play my Planeswalker because they'll just attack with their flyer. But now all of a sudden you can block one for free. Mm-hmm. So they just have to have more stuff. And, and Awakening Zone I really like. Or um, Oh, yeah. Because the...
1: you get ramp from that too, for sure.
2: Yeah. So those are blockers that also ramp you. And then what's the one from... There's a new Awakening Zone that's even better. Oh, From Beyond. Yeah, From Beyond, yeah. Yeah, that makes one one scions so I, I like all three of those cards a lot in the super friends deck because they just create a wall of stuff that can get between your uh your opponent's creatures and your plane planeswalkers
1: yep very powerful i love token generation in general especially if it's going to ramp you like from beyond or um awakening zone god this card yeah but so i good. want
2: it to be sort of quote unquote free like these where once i get it out it just happens every turn
1: yeah it's pretty great all right, that is going to do it for our deck archetype uh, on Planeswalker Super Friends decks. To the listeners, let us know, tweet at us what your favorite Planeswalkers of all time are. You know, maybe, maybe one that uh, is a hidden favorite in a Super Friends deck. Let us know why you think it's a Super Friends deck, must have. I really want to see if there's any Planeswalkers that I've sort of missed on my radar when I made what, my Super Friends deck.
2: Jimmy, what's your favorite Planeswalker of all time?
1: of all time. Jeez. I really 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 like the new Tamio. <laughs> Maybe not of all time. Um I would say before this new Tamio, uh Jace Architect of Thought, I believe is the Ravnica one. Uh and because of the the his ability is for ultimating is just out of control because it's -8 for each player, search that player's library for a non-land card and exile it. Then that player shuffles his or her library. You may cast those cards without paying their mana cost. Yeah, so this there card's w- insane. There was a game where I ulted jace Jace, uh, and then I replayed him and did it again. I essentially played six cards out of my opponent's library. It was disgusting, but it was so much fun. Um, and he also minus twos for a mini uh, Factor Fiction, so pretty good.
2: I think mine is Garrick Wildspeaker. I think I've said this before. Uh... It just untaps two target lands. That's the plus one, or makes a 3 3 beast, or it kind of gives an overrun to all your guys. So I'm a, I'm a simple creature, I, I guess. But I like that Garrick is useful in just a lot of situations.
1: Yeah, that Garrick is absurd. The, the ability to untap any lands is great, right? You yeah. You could have like an and ancient two tomb. Of them, so Yeah, it's just so good. Pretty good. All right, Uh, Card Kingdom, again, is the sponsor for this show. Make sure you guys check it out, cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. Uh, They've been an awesome sponsor so far. Everybody's been super stoked about it. Everyone's getting their prizes from the uh, from the giveaway as well, like within two to three days. It takes me forever to send all the stuff out because I'm just so busy. It's amazing having Card Kingdom here. They are so good with their customer service and so good at getting stuff out expediently to customers. And they have great prices across the website. So make sure you check out cardkingdom.com slash command zone. It helps out the show. We don't ask for money. Otherwise, we don't ask for Patreon donations all that stuff. So Card Kingdom being here for us is really cool and really important. So make sure you guys check out that link.
2: And make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Command Cast because Card Kingdom has still got some packs of Eternal Masters to give away there. And uh, you can find all the entry details for the last couple of days of the contest on that Twitter, again, Command Cast.
1: All right, let's move on to the end step, where we talk about something cool outside the world of Magic. Josh, is there anything in Hawaii that's piqued your interest? Is there anything in Hawaii that's piqued my interest? Well, Hawaii, Hawaii
2: is a pretty cool place. I lived here for a little while. Um, so it's always good to come back home. Uh, I got something I can talk about. I have a favorite restaurant in Hawaii. I
1: was gonna ask what your favorite restaurant was. Perfect. So,
2: and it's actually related to a story I told earlier uh, in an ironic type of way. So here we go. The restaurant is called Tonkatsu Ginza Biden. That's, Biden. It's that's Biden spelled the that's with the Japanese accent. So it's actually B A I R I N. So oh, by, I see. So, Byron, but in in Japanese, um, uh, um, what's the word? Accent, you would make it more like a D, Biden. (laughs)
1: Um, That's hilarious. So,
2: Tokatsu Ginza Biden is located in Waikiki. Uh, They do amazing tonkatsu, chicken katsu. Um, They also have really good croquettes. And that's my girlfriend and uh, my favorite restaurant in... uh, Honolulu, and we always try to eat there a couple times whenever we come, but the funny thing is, because it's called Tonkatsu Ginza Biden, we have affectionately started calling it, this is years ago, Joe Biden's. <laughs> so tonight, when I got home, sorry, home, to the hotel, and there's all these cop cars, and I asked the valet, like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, the vice president's eating next door. I'm like, of the United States? He's like, yeah. I'm like, Joe Biden? Joe Biden? He's like, yeah. Yeah, that's the vice president, Josh. Come on. Yeah, I just wanted to double, triple check. And I was like, I turned to Ellen. I was like, he should go eat at his own restaurant, Joe Biden's. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so what island is Tonkatsu Ginzubaran? Barrenan?
2: It is on uh, Oahu. It is on, It is in Waikiki um, or Honolulu, as as most people would refer to it, even though they're sort of separate. Um, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. I know there's a pro tour actually coming up uh, and... and BDM, if you're listening, tonkatsu, Ginza, Biden, the best. Order the thick-cut tonkatsu. God, it's, that
1: makes me so best. hungry.
2: It's the best. <laughs> I think there's three locations. I think there's one in uh, Japan and one in, I want to say Singapore. Actually, there might be one in Manila. Anyway, there's not very many, but they fly most of their ingredients in from Japan. They're, you know, in typical Japanese faction, uh In typical Japanese, um, they are really obsessed with the perfection of, you know, everything, the frying technique and all that. And so it's just very hard to find the equivalent uh, in the States.
1: Sick. That's awesome. Very exciting. All right, let's move on to the cleanup step. Josh, you want to take the first one? I thought you were going to steal it from me, so I I appreciate you. almost did.
2: (laughs) I was waiting. I was like, don't, 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 (laughs) don't, don't. Make sure you listen to our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter, at the MMCast, or you can find them on rocketjump.com, right next to
1: us under the podcast tab. And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. He does a great job on the show as well as creates the video versions where you can see all the cards we talk about in video form so you can read along with us. Uh, You can check those videos out at youtube.com slash commandzonepodcast and they feature really cool living card animations from Jeffrey Palmer who you can find on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. We
2: should also say there hasn't been video of Jimmy and I on camera. We did it for a couple episodes we've been moving around it's been tough but we are going to do that when we can so that's going to be a feature that will come and go Uh, we hope to obviously do it more often than not
1: yeah and i didn't hear any feedback about whether or not people liked it so uh again please let us know if you like it (laughs) hopefully you like it yeah i mean i think it's pretty neat all right everybody thanks for listening and we will see you next time peace
0: That's A-N-G-I dot The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list.